Hey everyone, and welcome to the Emotionally Intelligent Parenting Podcast. I'm hoping that this episode, you're not going to hear my beautiful neighbor's kids singing five monkeys jumping on the bed. Let's see how we go. (laughs) So I'm Stephanie Pinto. I'm a mum of two. I'm a best-selling author, an international speaker, and award-winning coach. And of course, I love all things Emotionally Intelligent Parenting. Yay! So I'm really glad you're here today. This is going to be a really great one. Before we jump in, I would like to acknowledge the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and record this podcast. I repay my respects to all First Nations people, elders and ancestors. And I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. Okay, before we actually jump into what I'm going to be talking about this episode, which is all around helping ourselves to understand our kids' um, challenging behavior, I'm going to call it, using emotional intelligence, I actually want to tell you a story from my home, which I do a fair bit in this podcast because I think it can be really insightful and actually really helpful and somewhat entertaining sometimes. (laughs) At the time, sometimes it's very stressful, um, but I can see in hindsight I'm able to laugh it off and I'm actually able to learn a lot from it. So that kind of helps me now in the moment when emotions are running high. So this story is probably from, I want to say like two, two and a half years ago. Um, So my kids were younger. They were probably something like four and six or, you know, something around that. And I remember having to really um, help my youngest who was having big emotions because her brother had um, taken her Barbie's and she was doing a particular um, activity with them. She was playing with them and um, he took them, moved them somewhere and she was really not happy about it. And so what actually happened was later after we had dealt with it, you know, um, I had the conversation with her later about what went on and about how she behaved and um, what, you know, what happened and, and how we could have dealt with it differently and things like that. And I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I talk a lot about strike when the iron is cold. So, you know, pick your time, um, not in the heat of the moment when things are running high because very little good happens in those moments, right? <laughs> um, and this is the same with adults, by the way. I'm always saying that the stuff that um, benefits, like the, the I want to say strategies, you know, the approach or the way we are with our kids Um, the stuff that benefits us as adults in a relationship with a spouse or a partner or friends, um, that stuff is very similar. Like the way we approach it and the strategies, it's very similar with kids, right? So my point is in the heat of the moment for anyone, emotions are running high and that logical, rational part of our brain is kind of offline and, um, nothing productive happens then. So I think, I believe, I truly believe it's a really smart parenting and you're making really smart decisions when you actually wait until things have cooled and then you have the conversation. Your child's going to be more receptive. They're going to be calmer. They're going to be more regulated. They're going to listen. They're going to be, I find, more um, remorseful and understanding and the, the empathy is switched on, you know. Anyway, so it goes for everyone, right? So I anyway, we had this situation I talked to my daughter afterwards, I think it was that night, maybe a tuck in. And I said something like, honey, we really need to talk about what happened with you and your brother before, you know, you're really angry and and you were trying to hurt him. I remember I had like scooped her up and I was trying to hold her and protect him because she was in one of those "Ah," crazy, like 
give it back or whatever. I can't remember what she was saying. It was so long ago, but she was um, like hesitant, but open to me talking to her. So, right. Like, I just want to say like, no one likes being talked to about their behavior. And when they, when they weren't their best, like it's embarrassing sometimes. Right. So I pick my time and I approach it really carefully and respectfully. And I asked her what made her so mad, you know, what happened that made you so mad. And she was then, I actually got so much more information out of her. She said, he took my Barbies out of the sink. I was washing them and he kept taking them out and he never listens to me. All of this information that I didn't know, she obviously, I just caught the tail end of it. And I was like, ah, so I validated, you know, the brothers can be annoying. Sometimes they don't listen and that's so frustrating, you know, and kind of, I guess, showed some empathy around I would be mad too when someone isn't listening to me or someone's doing something I don't like that gets me really mad. And so that helps her, that helped her to really kind of know that she wasn't in trouble and then I'm not about to tell her off. I was kind of agreeing with her in a way, right? About the emotions. And then I talked to her about, you know, when you get mad, like it is hard. It is so hard to control that emotion. And even at that age, by the way, I was talking about emotions. Um, I kind of use that interchangeably with feelings, but I don't see a problem with teaching young kids the word emotion and managing your emotions and knowing how to cope with big emotions. Like, I think that's really beneficial. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, you know, I talked to her about having to try our best not to lash out or explode, but that that's really hard. And I said, you know, do you know some things that that you can do when you are that angry, like to get the emotion out safely? And I remember she came up with a couple of things that I don't know if I've suggested in the past back then or whether it was preschool or something, Um, but she was like, stomp, I could put my face in a pillow. And I was like, oh, (laughs) and I said, yeah, you could like jump like this or roll like that, you know, or you could tell me that you're really mad so that I can help you. But honey, you cannot hurt your brother. Like I won't let you scratch him or hit him. You know, that's where I come in and I'll step in and I'll protect you both and I'll help you guys out. We had a huge, we had a huge hug, like in that moment, I remember. And, um, I think she just felt like, oh, I'm not in trouble. And, oh, mom gets it. And, oh, that makes sense. You know? And the thing is like, do I expect that to neatly wrap up her anger and those attempts to lash out at him? No. And do I think that'll be the last conversation we ever have about this? No, (laughs) I'm sure we've had tons since then. Um, is this like good enough to help her learn the impact of her actions on others and how to deal with her emotions? Yes. Like that is good enough. I want to say we don't have to hammer in the point. We don't have to say, you know, not to hit him. Like, how could you? And you need to do better. Like, no, if we're having conversations with our kids again and again and again and again, then, I mean, they need that. They need us to remind them. They need us to be their frontal lobe. They need us to, um, you know, use that that sophisticated part of their brain that they just don't have yet. I guess what you could take away from that is that big emotions are hard. Our kids do not have the wiring yet to be able to manage them maturely. They're not intentionally, I know it looks like it, but man, they are not intentionally lashing out, melting down, like blowing up, you know, um, scratching, hitting, like all of that stuff. When our kids get to that point where they are so dysregulated and they, they lose control, right? They are, they are unreasonable because they've lost that reasonable, reasonable part of their brain, the logic and the reason that's how they're going to act. 
right? It happens to all of us. It's just that us adults have a lot more skills and life experience to know how to kind of um, put a lid on that or deal with it in a different way. We can act more maturely. We can, we have access to a larger vocabulary, right? We have a lot more skills than them. Um, so I guess I'm saying that I think, well, firstly, each moment is definitely a learning opportunity. You've got to see it like that. Even the ones that feel like they fall into a heap and they're awful and they are you know, an absolute mess. If you can trust that you're going to be able to help your child over time, learn how to deal with those big emotions and um, control some of those uh, explosive behaviors because, because you are right. Trust that if you can trust in that, then you're going to yourself be less triggered. You're going to have more of that kind of karma conviction in this is big, but we're going to get through it. This is, um, you're really mad. Like this is loud, but we will be okay. And I've got this. Okay. So having said all of that, I wanted to share that before we get into today's episode, which is going to begin in a three, two, one. Hey guys, today I want to talk to you about the way that we need to shift our lens to view our child's behavior so that we are less triggered, less stressed, um, less frustrated and confused by why they're acting the way they are and why they're saying the things they are and being hurtful or silly all those moments that cause us stress as parents, I get it. Like I have so been there. <laughs> I have two kids of my own and they still have these moments where, to be honest, they're acting like kids. They have a childlike brain. That's where their brain is at. That's where their body is at. This is how they're reacting to the environment um, and to the things I say or I ask them to do. So I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of really powerful information about how we can change the way that we're looking at our kids' behavior to help ourselves and our stress levels, um, but also to help us better connect and communicate with our kids in those moments where we do need to gain their cooperation or persuade them to do something, um, you know, getting in the shower or doing the homework or, or getting in the car, whatever it is. So let me start by saying so many of us were raised with the old way of seeing kids' behavior. And like, you'll probably have a lot of this still going on yourself unconsciously, and you'll see it in extended family or in friends, you know, the way kids are generally treated and, and their behavior. We see it as um, their behavior is intentional, is sometimes um, manipulative, is uh, they're doing it on purpose. You know, they're pushing our buttons and um, they should know better. Like all of those, they're kind of really negative messages that we're kind of being sent and, and uh, um, we're hearing about our kids' behavior. So what I want to do is, as I said, give you some information so that that starts to shift because in emotionally intelligent parenting, we understand a little bit, like not the depths of our child's brain and the neuroscience, but we understand a bit about um, the brain and the nervous system, um, our child's body and emotions and behavior. Right. And, and we have a very different view of what emotions are and what they aren't, but that's for another video. So what I want to tell you guys is, um, when our kids behave, let's say when our kids are doing well, when they're cooperating, when they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing, when they're behaving, even though I really don't like that word behave because it's, it just has that negative connotation. If your kids are behaving, well, then they're good kids. And if they're not behaving, they're bad and they need punishing. Anyway, 
So when our kids are behaving or they're doing the right thing, doing as we ask, there are, um, there are reasons for that, right? So some of the reasons are because nothing's in their getting in their way because they've had a good night's sleep because they're feeling regulated because they have a full tummy because their blood sugar is, um, you know, at a good level, they're not distracted, distracted by other things going on. They don't have these, you know, um, stresses going on in the background, things that they have to do like deadlines we do, you know, so when our kids are doing well, they are, we, we will see them, um, in this regulated state, which means they're listening, they're receptive and they're pleasant to be around, you know, they're, they're in that green zone as we kind of call it. So on the flip side, this is kind of where it counts when our kids are not doing well, when they're not doing the things that they're being asked, when their behavior is disruptive or hurtful or harmful, when, um, they're not cooperating, there are usually many, one or many reasons why that's happening. And so we always talk about in emotionally intelligent parenting, looking beneath the iceberg, which means look beyond the behavior that you're seeing in front of you and look at a little bit deeper what's going on. And so there are many things that can be going on underneath the surface for your child that are causing them the inability to do the thing that you're asking them to do, to get in the car or to just do their homework or to eat dinner. There are things getting in the way. So when your child isn't meeting your expectations, um, as I said, doing the thing, when um, that stuff is going wrong and there's a clash or you're feeling the resistance, there is something or some things getting in the way. So that's what we have to look at. And this is what, what we talk about with looking beneath the iceberg. So I literally have a list of 21 things that can be getting in our child's way. And actually these, a lot of these relate to us as adults because we're human and we have a brain and a nervous system too. And this is how our body works. So let me read them out to you because they're really interesting. And as I read them out, I want you guys to think about what, what is bringing, what is this bringing up for you and what considerations might you now make when you're seeing your child, like I said, be disruptive, ignore, not listen to you, um, refuse to do the thing you have asked. Like we know most, most of the time when our kids are, like I said, in that green zone, they will do the thing that we ask without much complaining. You know, they, they, um, when we have a good connection with them, they know that we're not asking the world of them if we ask them to put their shoes on the shoe rack. <laughs> um, and so let me go through some of these reasons as to why our child might not be simply just doing the thing, like what is getting in the way. So number one is that they might, they might be already emotionally heightened. So maybe there was an argument that they had before, or they're just on the, in that agitated, irritated state. That can be something. So that is also, that is something that's going on under their iceberg that is just preventing them from being flexible and just doing the thing and stopping what they're doing and ask, doing what you're asking, stuff like that. Second thing is big one. They might be hungry. They may have low blood sugar. So I've noticed it in both my kids, actually, when they haven't eaten for a few hours and maybe they've also been out on their bike or scooter, their blood sugar is low and they are cranky and rude. And you know, they're not, they're not in that green zone. So being hungry and, or having low blood, blood sugar, like when I feed my kids, it's like night and day. Uh, third thing is they could be feeling lethargic. So we know when you feel low, tired, a bit exhausted, like you don't have much energy, 
you're not really in that mood to just do the thing that person has asked you or to be kind, like you're a little bit less kind and polite and, you know, flexible. Fourth one is becoming sick. Maybe they're coming down with a cold or a virus. We don't know that stuff until it happens, but the couple of days beforehand, we can see a change in our child's behavior. They um, may be having a lack of impulse control, which generally speaking is um, the case for kids with underdeveloped brains, because that's one of the last uh, longest developing cognitive skills. Um, They may also, I'm reading off my list, they may also have poor adaptable flexible thinking. Again, a skill that is... um, all of these fluctuate moment to moment, but this is one that allows our kids to be flexible and to change their mind. I was doing this and now mum's asked me to do that. Or dad says, I have to clean up before I can do this. So that's that flexibility. That's really hard for kids. Um, number seven is that they may lack emotional regulation skills. Well, who, who doesn't, (laughs) this is again, a developmental skill for kids. We cannot hold them accountable for these brain skills that they are still developing because they don't, they haven't yet mastered them. And number eight is kids have poor frustration tolerance. The ability to just tolerate and be okay with when something doesn't go to plan or when they wanted that thing and there's none left. um, That is such a reduced, they have such a reduced capacity to tolerate that frustration, the, the, you know, irritated feeling that that thing didn't work out or they didn't get what they wanted. They may have just had a huge argument and they're still feeling that residual frustration or drained feeling. Okay. They may well be still developing empathy, which is like, like we say, it's a, it's a muscle. Um, we've got to develop and work out the empathy muscle over many years to help our kids really understand, um, you know, putting themselves in someone else's shoes and what that, what their behavior means for them. (sighs) Another one, number 11 is that kids are highly egocentric. So by nature, it is, it is so age appropriate for them to not immediately be able to put themselves in someone else's shoes. They are the center of their own world. So when you ask them to do something, they're going to think how that impacts, impacts them, that they have to stop watching their show or they have to share the toy with someone else. That is, that is hard. We're asking too much of them if we're expecting our kids to be able to do that perfectly all the time. Um, our kids may be something else going under the, going on under the iceberg is that they have a lack of planning and organizational skills. These are the prefrontal cortex skills. So allowing them to plan and be organized and think about what they need to pack or where they need to go, what time they need to be ready by. Ah, oh, that's why morning routines are very, can be very hard for many families. Um, they might be going through emotional events like a relative is in hospital, right? Maybe their favorite teacher has been away for a week. This stuff sits under the, under the surface for kids and definitely impacts their behavior. Another one is that they may be feeling disconnected from you or a parent, um, for a period of time. So they haven't got that good bond and connection. Maybe you've been working a lot this week or away traveling, things like that. That stuff can really affect our child's behavior and how um, flexible and giving and and polite and things that they are. You know, it affects their mood. Another one is they may be feeling nervous or anxious about something coming up. If we forget that there's that big recital on the weekend and they've been irritable and cranky throughout the week, oh my God, no wonder, right? They're nervous about something that's about to happen. They could also be having some other big meaningful events 
in their life, big for them, maybe not big for us. That's fine. But we don't, we don't always know unless we ask or unless we do some digging underneath the iceberg about what's going on for them. They could also be going through a period um, of change or transition, you know, a new sibling, a new baby coming along, going from preschool to primary school or elementary school, things like that. So that under like unconsciously sits with our kids and um, causes them a bit of a sense of lack of control. They don't really know. They can't fathom. We've been through school. We know what happens. We know it's fine. The teachers are usually really um, kind, but our kids don't have that kind of template to work with. They may be having friendship issues that we aren't aware of. So sometimes our kids will come home cranky or they'll be rude or they'll take something out on us or their sibling. And it can be something unrelated, like a friendship issue. Uh, They might be struggling with some schooling, something learning related, you know, something in the classroom that is they're finding tough. And again, if we don't know, I mean, if we don't dig behind beneath the surface, then we're going to be worried. We're going to be confused about that. They may also have had something happen earlier in the day that has rattled them. So if they haven't, if you were planning, for example, to go out somewhere and then it was raining, you weren't able to go, that disappointment, that can really um, rattle them or, or make them feel upset, you know. And so then we see that in their moodiness or their inflexibility and, um, you know, melting down over seemingly small things. And the last one is that maybe they are in this um, space currently of feeling not valued or not seen or not heard or not important. Again, maybe um, a parent has been really busy or has been away or they've, there is a new sibling or something like that. And so they're not feeling like they're really belonging and valued and having that time and energy spent on them. Like some of these things are unavoidable. I completely get that. But when our child's behavior is frustrating us um, and baffling us or leaning us into being triggered and wanting to punish that out of them, this is, this is where we have to spend our time and energy. Um, these, what, what we talk about with the um, iceberg, that stuff is com- constantly fluctuating, like our moods, our um, physiological state, our, the, you know, how, how tired or alert we are, um, hunger, all, all of those things, you know, if we feel comfortable, if we're hot, itchy, cold, um, blood sugar levels, all of that stuff, those levels are constantly shifting and fluctuating. Like we're not robots. That stuff will happen. If someone bursts in now, when I'm recording this video and my child says, mom, you know, my sister is hurt and bleeding. I'm like, my levels are going to shift. Right. And so then I'll show up differently. Maybe I'll be more agitated or, or frustrated or, or worried. So, this stuff happens to our kids, right? And that it shows up in their behavior like all the time. So that's kind of my message. When our kids are not doing well, when they're not meeting our expectations, when they're not just cooperating and things aren't flowing, instead of getting frustrated and triggered, look at some of those things I listed. Look beneath the iceberg, see what is getting in my child's way here. What might be making it difficult for them to do the thing? How can I support them? to and, and help them in this situation? What do I need to give to them? Do I need to spend more time? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to be playful and fun and silly? Do I need to help them understand the reasons why we do these things? There's so much there. 
you know, since starting my podcast in November of last year, so it's 2023, I have come to appreciate the amount of editing with recording and adjusting the audio and like getting everything right and rec- and removing all of my annoying ums and ahs and so's. I'm so sorry about those. <laughs> Some of them escape and they just get in. So I'm hoping that that, I'm hoping that you guys please forgive me for all the errors and the weird noises and currently the cicadas that are going crazy all around my house and my neighborhood because we have so much beautiful nature. They're very loud. And also sometimes my neighbor's kids and my neighbor's dogs and just everything that is happening. So firstly, thank you for being so understanding. No one yet has complained. But secondly, I would love if you could please it would help so much if you can review this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or another one, if you can give it like a rating or a quick review, it would help so much. It does really help push it out to, uh, I guess the podcasty community, the people who are listening and maybe looking for a new podcast that will really help me to reach more families, more parents, and obviously impact more, more kids lives. So I would love you if you could do that. And I say a huge thank you in advance. And then I will see you guys um, in the next episode next week.